Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it Thursdays here at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark. As uh, we set the scene for Nebraska and Wisconsin, 730 PBA. Number six, Whiskey comes to town. How will the Big Red respond? Plenty of thoughts on Nebraska basketball as they try and march towards the uh, dance in March Madness. And numbers to get in today at 489-1240. Can join us on the phone. Can join us in the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio, different social platforms, KFOR Facebook, Twitter, ESPN Omaha 590. Twitter can watch the show that way and uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah at C underscore Clark underscore 27 for Connor Clark and his Twitter handle. So we'll get I there. I see that grin. I am grinning because I, I spit it out appropriately. I have it written down. I got all the caricatures and the underscores and the. Uh, you know where to find me. The the, the wind, all the motion that the pre snap motion. I got it all down. We'll uh, get into uh, kind of a crazy idea <laughs> with steroids and Olympic games. That story on the way, Nebraska and expectations as spring nears we'll cover that uh husker hall of famer bo reed will join us in the five o'clock hour our hall of famer brandon vogel going to be with us here in about 15 minutes from counter reed and then gary barnett dives in on nil the ncaa and when we talk about challenging a team that's been the theme this week with nebraska basketball and fred hoiberg uh, we'll, we'll sit down in story time with uh, Coach Barney. Coach Barnett with us at 525. We'll talk to him about the time there was the threat of taking the, uh, the, the Buffs logo off the side of the Colorado helmet. Uh, there's been threats before uh, verbally by fans about Nebraska not, not getting to wear the red N on the side of their helmet because of how poorly they've played. But it's never gone that far. That's my big question. Beyond resume enhancement tonight for Nebraska, beyond uh, Nebraska and getting a, another top 10 win, and beyond staying above 500 in, in Big Ten play, this is kind of a season definer for me with Nebraska basketball. We'll get there in a moment. First, it is the starting five. We always shot out the first five and uh, part of the rotation 
uh, in the stream yard watching us on Hale Varsity YouTube. Jeff got in first. Mike Corgan checks in second. Mr. Snitley, Jeff Snitley of the Boulder Tree Speedy comes what? in. I said the Boulder Peace Tree. You said the Boulder, the Boulder Tree Speedy. Did I? Yeah. Thank you for your yeah, yeah. attention. <laughs> Boulder Peace Treaty. Clear. No stutter. Gotcha now. Uh, Chuck is in at four. That's Charles Barkley, we'll say. Uh, Jeff <laughs> in at five. Brandon. Brian Snitley, part of the Boulder Peace Treaty. And uh, then the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life. Uh, Patrick checks in as well. We'll get to all of your comments. Roger also uh, upset he was not in the top five. It's all right, Roger. You got your shout out. We'll uh, do it again tomorrow and, with and roll call in our starting five. And we'll give one shout out to Michelle from Houston, just outside the starting Michelle, five. Michelle, thank well. you, Michelle. Thanks for coming in. That's outstanding, fellas. Uh, it is go time tonight for Nebraska basketball. It is going to be uh, an electric atmosphere. Uh, you've got sixty degree or just shy of weather. The rail yard is going to be jumping. It's going to be beers flowing. It'll be a rowdy, ruckus, uh, kind of an angry, hostile environment. I, I, I anticipate all of that. When not, I, not just because of the weather. The 7.30 tip-off time is pretty ideal, too. It is. It's yeah, great. It, it's wonderful. It's not 8 o'clock. It's not 6 o'clock. We, we, you get to go prime for a little bit, and then you get to get home at a decent time, Perfect. says the old guys in the room. So, resume, Yes. Uh, pace in the Big Ten, yes. Uh, just overall well-being, absolute yes. But am I am I putting too much pressure on this game tonight when I say season definer? Nebraska has been nails at home. Yes, there are other opportunities. Their next two road games, that's really where Nebraska can, can make some hay, go split on the road. Nebraska's been killer aside from Creighton at home against most teams. That includes number one. You get number one and number six at home. That's a sweet argument. That's quad win number four for you in, uh, in a down year in the Big Ten. You've ta- you will have taken down the two best. But how does this team respond? They've always responded at home off of adversity. The home sweet cooking. Nebraska comes in, and it's, it's always all right. Form. Can they do it again against a team that has a long memory of last year's blown lead, against a team that has uh, one of the top talents ever to come out of Omaha and Chucky Hepburn? He remembers last year. Uh, and uh, can Nebraska rise to the occasion again? Uh, I think they can, but I'm nervous about it if I'm a Nebraska basketball fan. Fred has gone and doubled and tripled down on what his team hasn't been, what he's been pissed about, them being soft. And can they, uh, can they play uh, physical enough, smart enough, poised enough to get it done tonight? They're going to have to do all three. And, and you, you use the term season-defining. I think you could argue, I mean, more so for Nebraska than for Wisconsin, but you could argue there's a, a season-defining nature for both of these teams coming into this one. With Nebraska, it's season-defining, assuming there's not an active God that flips the script whenever they hit the road, which... At this point in the season, it feels like that's what it may take. It may take an act of God in order to, to get Nebraska a road victory in the Big Ten. Uh, I say slightly tongue-in-cheek, but maybe not really. No. Uh, as for Wisconsin, <laughs> you look at it, and some people look at Wisconsin against Purdue on Saturday and say, well, that's the perfect time for a trap game. And I think that could be the case. But you also have the case, as Connor and I were discussing before the show, that Wisconsin, with a win tonight, has an opportunity to take uh, a firm lead in the regular season Big Ten. 
if they can take down Purdue on Saturday. If you get tonight and you get Saturday, you control your own destiny, and you're in a really, really good spot to take home the regular season crown for the Big Ten Conference. So this game holds a huge importance. Obviously, that that game on Saturday is going to be key for Wisconsin no matter what happens tonight because you can still have first place by yourself with a win over Purdue on Saturday. But if you get the win against Nebraska on the road and you get Purdue, it's going to be a a tall order for anybody to catch the Badgers in the Big Ten this season. That's what makes this game tonight so important for Wisconsin. It's also they could move into a one seed. Yeah. Yeah, The next two games. Yeah. They could move into a one seed. They've been obviously kind of flirting with that two seed line right now for a couple of weeks and as Elijah said this game has a lot of importance for Wisconsin as well because you're up on Purdue right now in the standings you can remain up on Purdue if you win tonight if you lose you're even with the Boilermakers in the loss column in the Big Ten that puts a little bit more weight into the into the weekend game against the Boilers not that it's gonna lack any of that anyway but the fact that you get a chance to, A, be the first Big Ten team to come into PBA and maybe win, <laughs> and then have a chance to extend that conference lead on Purdue at home because it, it's in the Kohl Center this weekend. That's big because keep in mind, on the, I believe it's the last day of the regular season, Wisconsin goes to Mackey, and that game could be for the regular season title in the Big Ten. That game's going to be massive too. So big stretch here for Wisconsin Schmidt, you say season-defining for Nebraska. I think that's absolutely accurate. You could maybe make the argument that this is tenure-defining for Fred Hoiberg because think about what happens with a loss here. You lose, you go to 15-7, and seven, you're 5-6 and six in the conference, and you have what will probably well, – well, we'll see if Northwestern gets ranked after the loss last night, but you have two really good road opponents awaiting you. That's not going to be easy. You win tonight, you're back up to 10 games above 500, 16 and 6. You're 6 and 5 in the league, and maybe you get some mojo going on the road. We heard Fred talk about it earlier in the week in his press conference. He didn't care what the workout plan was going to be this week. It was going to be tough, it was going to be physical. They needed to address the problems that have, you know, hurt them so badly away from home. So, if they can get a win here tonight, I agree. I think it could flip the switch. I think it could mean so many different things for this Nebraska team with nine games left after after tonight. I, I want to know the why. Why, and, and it's been the universal question all season, why are they so different home and away? And it's, to me, it, it is just the energy that, that you are injected with at PBA. It's comfort, it's fan base, it's familiarity. I mean, you have been able to control and enroll and, and then grow leads and then put the hammer down. So it's it's all about comfort. And when I look at this Nebraska basketball team and I look at the Nebraska fans, we talk to them, we hear from you, and, and they're they're ticked off. It's a lot like the the football mindset of, of being ang- right, being angry at your team when they don't perform well. You've seen too much good from this year's basketball team to not go dancing, to, to, to not finish this thing out. You've seen Fred's teams the last two years, even before the, the coaching staff changes going into to last season. They finished out well with some impressive road wins. They were competitive. Listen, and I'm not going moral victory tonight. They, they got to win. That said, if they play their ass off and fall short, Wisconsin is that good. That's what I think Nebraska fans are ticked about 
is not just that Nebraska's lost or that they've even gotten popped on the road a couple of times. It's it's how they go down and they get out muscled, they get out hustled, and then the the perimeter defense. I mean, teams are just going Larry Bird three point show on them, and uh, that that is maddening for Nebraska fans because they they look so good and dare I even say dominant in that Purdue game. And, and Nebraska's shown at home it wasn't just a, hey, man, we got hot and we're great one game. No, they played that well against comparable or better competition, and they've defended PBA well except for the Creighton game. So I think that's why the fan base is, is on edge right now because what happens after uh, with Nebraska basketball? Do they go into a, a tailspin into February after a really good start to the season? You've been good at home. You should have two more road wins. You should be two to three games over 500 in Big Ten play right now. They should be sitting at 17 wins right now if you don't blow uh, a couple of double-digit leads to, to Minnesota and, and Rutgers. So, you know, it's look in the mirror time. Fred said that. He's looked in the mirror. How am I preparing these guys? And I'm getting uh, more physical with them. Do they have it in them? Right? Do they have it in them? Do they have somebody on the court to calm things when it goes sideways? And it goes beyond today. They've had so many people step up at PBA. They have balanced scoring. They have the talent, simply put. They do. And can they can they take it tonight with a win and then go split? It's it's tonight's huge, but it's beyond tonight as well because your next th- tonight and the next two. Are, are going to really put you in position either outside or, or inside that, that bubble you, on that tournament line. Are you an 11 seed, 10 seed, 9 seed, 8 seed? Do you get rolling the rest of February? Do you fall apart? Tonight is that first domino. And, and to me, it's about as close to a must win as you can get. I'm not going to put it a must win, but I think you need to at least split the next two. If you can't get tonight, it ratchets up the importance of that game at Illinois on Sunday. You need to get one of the next two because if you don't, your margin for error becomes razor thin the rest of the way. Like, just to get to 20 wins is going to be a struggle with only four home games remaining following this game. You sitting at 15, it gets tough to get to 20. The margins become razor thin. you got to bring it tonight. It's not must win, but you have the talent. You would assume with that PBA crowd tonight that you're going to have the, uh, the intensity, you're going to have the desire. Can you bring the composure? Can you bring the execution? If you can do those things, I think this Husker basketball team is good enough to get a win tonight. And I think, uh, realistically, they should know the pressure that is on them looking at the, the remainder of the schedule, understanding if you don't get this one, it's an uphill battle. I think using that exact same reasoning is why I'm going to say it is a must-win tonight because mm-hmm. you've shown that you can't win on the road. Everybody doesn't have confidence in you winning on the road. We've even talked about it on the show about it's going to take a godsend for them to win a game on the road in the Big Ten, right? So that's why I think tonight is pretty much a must-win game when the margins get to be razor thin and you can't make mistakes, I mean, we've seen this team make mistakes before. Every team does it. But we've seen them make it in very amplified ways at very inopportune times. So I think tonight's game is a must win because you get to 16 after tonight. If you can, you're four shy of 20. That's kind of the magic number I'm looking at. Another thing this thing or this team has going for it here tonight, yes, they're at home. And I think that mentality of... Away, like teams don't walk into PBA and win 
anymore. Like, that's not how it's worked this year. They're 13-1 and one at home. I think this team knows that. They play with an uber level of confidence at home. And I think they know the exact opposite on the road. That whole kind of mentality of like, well, here we go again on the road. We haven't played well on the road. This is how it's going to go. But then it's the positive version of that in PBA. So I'm really interested to see what the energy level, especially after three really physical days, according to Fred Hoiberg, how this team's going to look tonight. And to use the, the quote from Boromir in Lord of the Rings, oh, one, one does not simply walk into PBA. No, they <laughs> do, don't, do they, except if you're Creighton, apparently. Do they play tight tonight? Do they play confident and loose? Do they play tight? I hate this matchup. Wisconsin's got three-point shooters. they got big dudes down low. They like to put their uh, the construction hard hat on and just beat the hell out of you in the paint. And um, they're one of those teams that are just not good matchups for Nebraska, but Nebraska can uh, can throw some punches. We'll see. We'll get to some football thoughts. Brandon Vogel with Counter Reed on the way. It's Hale Varsity. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Connor Clark is in. We welcome in our dear friend Brandon Vogel from Counter Reed. CounterReed.com is uh, where you can find Vogue's quick reminder about buckling up, hands on the wheel. Eyes and focus straight ahead. The driver has one job. That's to drive the message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Vogues, it is uh, winning time. Uh, I love that series. I wish it would have continued on with John C. Riley and the, the great Showtime Lakers. Not quite Showtime when we look at Nebraska, Wisconsin, historically in, in the Big Ten, football or basketball uh, we'll get into some football thoughts from you in a moment, but big one for Nebraska and brings back memories for me of those uh, those showdowns on, on a big Monday when KU or Mizzou or OU'd come to town. Uh, Nebraska has had success uh, time and time again at PBA. They, they had it, they've had it this year uh, tenfold, but it's time to, to make it happen tonight. How do you view tonight's matchup and uh the the weight of this one weight's an interesting way to put it because what i was about to say is like i think nebraska has a little bit of a of a free role here in that you know if you were to get blown out um that would that would be a problem um, (laughs) there wouldn't be any beer left in downtown lincoln (laughs) 
but but and also for like public perception of a team that is like it's kind of a it's a borderline call right now that said if you play well and you happen to lose to the sixth team in the country it's i don't think it like ends anything for you if you win however um (laughs) that like it I don't know if it would put Nebraska in the tournament necessarily. There's too many games left, but you'd have a really good resume um, at that point um, beyond just a, a pretty good resume, which is what I would say the Huskers have now. And I mean, and this is the number six team in the country coming in and they're a one and a half point road favorite, which, which tells you like how much, I don't know if it's respect is the right word, how much credit get Nebraska is getting for what it's done at home this season. Brandon Vogel with us here from Counter Read on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, we were kind of debating back and forth in the first segment. Is this must win? Is it not? And I can see it both ways because I think you can still make the tournament without winning this game, but your margins become razor thin. And if this game isn't a must win, you lose it, and every other game becomes a must win, I guess you can make the argument that this, then in fact, is a must win game. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I can I can certainly see that. Um, and I mean, I guess, well, I just mentioned the Wisconsin favor by one and a half. Illinois will be favored by more than that in the next game just because it's on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Illinois is, is legitimately good, too. Um, <clears throat> so, like, what's your better chance? And you almost have to jump forward to, like, okay, let's, Nebraska's not going to be favored in either. Let's say they lose both of them. But then, then things are getting serious um, in, in terms of your, your tournament resume. So it's it's tough because there's there's two of those games that are going to be, you know, against top 10, top 15-ish opponents. Um, and you got you probably got to go one and one at, at the worst. So I don't know. I don't think that helps us solve the, the must win for tonight. But it's a it's certainly a, a better win because you're just at home, and, and this team has been has been to use a, a coaching term, night and day different uh, at, at, between home and the road. Well, Brandon, maybe I can help persuade you towards the must win side a little bit more here. Kansas State is no longer a quad one win for this team, and they're staring at the number eleven team in the net here tonight. Does that make you push it a little more towards the must win side? Because now Nebraska is just two and three in quad one. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, the resume <laughs> hasn't been helped by, by, by the Wildcats. And man, when it's, <laughs> when it's like the road win that you can point to, <laughs> and it, if it has diminishing value, like, you know, at, at a certain point, I, I don't know that I've heard too often that it comes up. I mean, certainly there have been these teams. It's just there's there's 68 in the tournament each year where teams really talk about or the committee talks about uh, teams that are really one-handed. Like, they're great at home. They'd be a five or six seed at home. Uh, and on the road, they're not in the tournament. And that's kind of what, what Nebraska is is close to right now. So, <clears throat> the, the you know, they don't have a lot of road success to point to. So, yeah, that does push me closer to, to must win. Well, it's it's funny because the the big argument for maybe K State isn't that good, maybe they don't deserve to be a tournament team, is they did lose at home to Nebraska, which is based on what we've seen this year an accomplishment, and not in a good way. And they got <laughs> rocked on the glass too. 
Like, huh? <laughs> Note to self, come on, K-State, said no one ever in the state of Nebraska, but uh, now you're cheering for him. Vogue's going to go to football here, and uh, we're into February, and, and this is the month for, for lots of things, chocolate and Valentine's Day and a second signing day that doesn't look super fruitful, uh, more winter conditioning, all that good stuff. It might be the month of Dana Holgerson. I'm interested to get your take, uh, what you believe. Do you believe that that Dana uh, may be another piece to this coaching staff for for Matt Rule? And what's your – let's revisit your take on having a guy like Dana in town as, as an analyst, presumably. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's different than, you know, them bringing him in at a point where they we still presumed they were going to make a change on the coaching staff. That change has been made um, with Glenn Thomas, who, who kind of got his official introduction to to Husker Nation this week. Um, <clears throat> so then it gets then it gets intriguing uh, on a lot of levels, because um, at the point where we're talking about Dana Holgerson maybe coming in as a as an on field coach, it's like, well, that doesn't seem to fit with how Nebraska was building this thing. Doesn't mean that that's a non starter. It's just curious. But I think in an analyst role, then having you know some access to ideas that may be outside of of what their what their big blueprint is only adds value. Um, and you know, a, a guy that's as experienced as he is, um, you know, it's not like did anybody think Lane Kiffin was going to be a great fit at, at Alabama at that point? Didn't seem like it. And I mean, I know Lane comes with a lot of stuff that's outside of just the football, although Dana kind of does too. Um, if you want to stop and stop and think about it a little bit, um, it's, it's intriguing. And the fact that the, you know, kind of the, the rumor mill around him hasn't gone away, uh, even though Nebraska has technically made its its big coaching change, I think tells you that there's there's some legs to this. Is is Dana one of those coaches you you go have a beer with? <laughs> um, I, I'm not. And I'm not piling on 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 Dana. I'm not being an a hole here. I'm just saying, personality wise, storyteller, guy that'd be be fun. I mean, he's he's like the yeah, pirate. Yeah. Oh no, he absolutely is. I was gonna say something that I probably shouldn't have. So I'm refrain. And, we were all uh, thinking it. Yes, I, I think undeniably he would be a great hang. Uh, <laughs> well, you had to polish that up for me. <laughs> oh, what else is there to do in Morgantown? <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, well, he had a he had a home made out of God. What was it? Treat. It was like a log cabin type thing. I thought I read back in 2012. I mean, he 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 gives strong Matthew McConaughey vibes, right? Like you know, all right, all like right, all right. Comes man, yeah. I mean, he he said at some point this season. I think he was asked about you know the potential of getting fired at Houston, and he was basically like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "Look at my buyout. I'm not getting fired here." <laughs> here, here we are. Stick it to the man. As, as, as a probable analyst candidate in Nebraska. What's a vote leader? They can fire me if they want other, to. The other interesting <laughs> thing about that is, is like we've seen it work, um, you know, at Alabama. Like coaching, coaching is getting interesting when you have these former head coaches who I think are, you know, and we've seen this for a while, are willing to 
go the analyst route to give themselves basically a little bit of time to like figure some things out, but also stay in the game. Uh, Jeff Hathley just left a head coaching job for a DC gig in the NFL at the group of five level. We're seeing a ton of coaches leave for, for coordinator positions in, in the power conferences. It's a, uh, it's a strange time out there in the, in the coaching landscape. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale varsity radio and, Brandon, whenever you look at the recruiting that's gone on this month, we've talked about it a little bit. Keona Wilhite, who knows what the status is with him. He also had Matt Rule going out uh, to Illinois and visiting with Jalen Williams. Uh, this time right now, while it doesn't feel urgent, this is the time that you need to get your class of 2025, at least the wheels moving, correct, with how quickly things are going to come up on you with spring football, and then you have a, a whirlwind month of June of recruiting, and then you look at it, the season starting, and you pretty much need to have your class of 2025 wrapped up by the time that starts based on how, what recruiting has looked like recently. How important is this time in terms of the recruiting uh, grind for Matt Rule and the, the coaching staff? I mean, I think if you can use it, and, and if you're at this spot just two classes in, given the current recruiting calendar, which the staff is, where you can really use this January period to get ahead. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of the luxury of, of not having to deal with other things. Like it frankly would suck to have to build a class during this period, which, you know, we see with some coaching changes you, you sometimes have to do. Um, Nebraska is not in that spot. So it's mostly forward looking. Um, I think that's a, a, a place of comfort for, for this coaching staff, at least it would be for me if, if I were part of it, because you're setting the stage and like your entire, you know, getting people on campus in the spring, getting there for the spring game is determined on, well, the connections you've built with, you know, 25 and beyond guys, but you can really solidify some of those there, particularly if your class is done. Um, and, and you've got, you've got that extra time that you can just spend like, okay, everything else is, is looking forward. We don't have it. Brendan Vogel with us from Counter Reed. Vogues, we've got about 90 seconds, a little less than. What is coming up? What's been going on with counterread.com and how can folks get signed up? Yeah, you can check us out at counterread.com. It's a twice weekly newsletter from myself and Aaron Sorensen. Um, Aaron just sat down with Trev Alberts earlier this week. Uh, a lot of stuff in from their conversation, just the first part of it went up today. Um, so subscribers can check that out. And if you're not a subscriber, you can uh, get a seven day free trial to to open up that story tomorrow. It's been a kind of a thought provoking week with with some of the stuff um, happening in Nebraska athletics. So I'm putting together a little bit of recap for that and obviously be watching uh, watching basketball tonight with uh, with great focus. Taking the points, giving the points. I would probably give the points. Um, Wisconsin's just more consistent um but the fact that the number is what it is tells me nebraska's right here i mean minus one and a half pretty much almost a coin flip um in in terms of that even when you factor in a little bit of home court advantage well it'll be uh sun soaked good weather cold beer and a uh, loud throat at uh, pba pba tonight for nebraska wisconsin vogue's good to spend time thank you so much Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. Hale Varsity continues powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
20 minutes out. Bo Reed going to be with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Thoughts Nebraska, Wisconsin. Gary Barnett next hour. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. So Moobot checks in and says, Hey, Elijah, O'Rourke's bar having a chili cook-off during the Super Bowl. Test your skills and enter. We are back on Elijah's Chili, the Chunky versus the Soupy. <laughs> With context. With context. Uh, that is the Chili Championship I refer to with Cranach, our Saturday morning compadre on the weekend edition. He has two or three national title rings from that Chili cookoff. National? Well, we call them. <laughs> but it, I mean, if you if you won them, you might as well call them national, right? Right. I mean, the, well, O Street Championship, right? Well, I guess the, the entries... on the wall. His name is on the wall there, and it's not the bathroom wall. All right, three times over, which is which is good. Well, I know our friends at, at Tavern on the Square are doing a chili cookoff for Super Bowl Sunday ah. as well. So maybe I could do a, a double entry uh, mm-hmm. tried out. Uh, I'd also like to to give a shout out to my buddy Aiden. He won a, a chili cookoff over the summer with fully homegrown ingredients. Wow, Every, like homegrown jalapeno, like homegrown jalapenos, homegrown uh, chilies, which he then dried out and turned into a chili powder. Uh, all his meat was sourced locally; like it was incredible stuff. He he saved me a bowl, and it was fantastic. So I'm gonna have to go hit him up and see if he's got any leftover ingredients to put in and really put my chili over the top because my chili's solid. I'm not I'm not sure I'd put it down in the something special category. Mm. But it is. But solid. that's for others to judge. Well, I need I need something special, maybe a Peruvian puff pepper to really put it over the top. Uh, you know, I, what is very unspectacular is the Schmidt chili that Mama makes. Too many beans, not enough meat, minimal, minimal spice, but it's nice on a on a cold winter now, day. Now, to get back to chunky or soupy, do you subscribe <laughs> to the notion that a good chili should have a spoon be able to stand up in it? Absolutely. Ooh, how much? How much? Um, I, I don't care enough about chili as much as you do. Says the Chicago to, guy. Know, like, Give me some Italian beef, huh? As long as I can smother a, a cinnamon roll in some chili, I'm good to That's go. That's fine. I still have never had that, by the way. I it's need to try that. You know, it's, not, it's not bad. It's delicious. I mean, it's just it's just a state staple. I feel like yeah. I have to before I leave. You don't necessarily have to smother it, but you do have to try it. Uh, yeah. Cliff chimes in. He puts alligator meat and crawdads in his swamp chili. So, never really had alligator. Never, never had... Swamp chili, nor do I know if I care to have yeah. swamp chili. Yeah. I, I but, you know, but you got to try alligator. P- putting swamp in front of anything makes me less likely to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> makes me less likely to want it. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. We'll just, we'll stay above board here. <laughs> so let's talk about enhancements for a moment here. We, we talked about chili for a moment and uh, billionaire Pete Thiel. Funding the Enhancement Games. <laughs> what a name. A rival to the Olympics that would allow athletes to use performance-enhancing drugs. You can call it the Swamp Olympics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what are the games here where you could not only participate participate here on all the gas, but pull a Chewbacca and rip somebody's arm out of their socket and beat them with it if you lose. Well, the, the headlining events as of right now, and there's still a lot that needs to happen between now and, and next summer to make this happen, uh, but the events include track and field. <laughs> that was a hell of a javelin throw. It's really out of the stadium. <laughs> Imagine Usain Bolt. Yeah. Right. On juice? Yeah. That man would go insane. And then you got swimming. Okay. Uh, you got gymnastics. Simone Biles on PEDs, anyone? I'm just thinking of the uh, vaunted East German swim team <laughs> that was on it. Their ladies were growing beards well, and they were winning. Quote, quote. Right. Well, and then, then they had the uh, the old uh, vacated 
uh, uh, gold medals. But is, this, is this purely summer games? It, it is, sounds like it as of right now. Okay. I'm not. How much would performance-enhancing drugs help you in like skiing? Oh, well, I want to see hockey. You're right. Like, I mean, someone I would see. take their skate off and stab somebody in the neck. Yeah. What about biathlon, where you get to give every competitor a gun? Would you want that with <laughs> <No>. movies? <laughs> <laughs> a little roid rage and a gun? Uh, <laughs> this is, this is hilarious, but think about the, well, the, well, we the deadlift here. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. We also have weightlifting, which would get intense yeah. with PEDs, I'm sure. That would be good. Uh, and then combat sports. Would we like to see boxing with PEDs or maybe MMA? Yes. I don't want to see any fencing. <laughs> see, you see a fencer juiced up? Yeah, absolutely run through. Not the face. They're, they're not even sharp, but you somehow managed to stab this man straight through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it broke through all the the barriers. I, what, what about what about a handball? I don't even know if that's a, an Olympic sport anyway, but it, I feel like it, that it would be. Been. I think that would be good. Give me juiced these. up water polo, please. And give me juiced up yeah. ping pong. Oh, oh yes. Now you're on to something. Right? Yes. I would, would you, okay, so this is floated out there. What cities are up for the for the games? Where would you put the, the enhancement games? Well, East Germany to start. I think okay. that's a, a great location. Muscle Beach. You could go Moscow as well. Mus- Muscle Beach isn't bad. Columbia? Columbia. I mean, we don't have to stick to... PEDs. I mean, if we're talking like, like you're talking like Medellin, perf- yeah, like performance enhancement. <laughs> you go do a uh, a uh, say hello to my little friend bump, and I was gonna say hilarity that, ensues. Who is that one pitcher that that pitched uh, a no hitter and he swore he was better whenever he took acid before his starts? There's a few of them. That could be interesting. Baseball. Uh, God, what was I? And I, I interviewed the guy, uh, Doc Ellis. Do, well, Doc Ellis, Doc Ellis did it, but, but there was another lefty for the Red Sox. Oh, shoot. I'm forgetting his name. He got stopped at the border coming back from Montreal, and he blamed his mother. Oh, my God. He was on what? a payphone. One interview I did with him. I got I to gotta look at my uh, Rolodex here. Uh, Cliff, for the win, when it comes to the performance <laughs> enhancement games, axe throwing. Axe throwing on PEDs. Uh, Elijah, not me, Elijah. Darts. Another Elijah also says artistic swimming could be fun. Okay. All these people juiced up as Connor Fields a phone call. So let's just say this for the public service part of things. Steroids are idiotic. Don't do them. Thank you. Don't do drugs, kids. We mean it. We're sincere about it. Uh, Eat Beef says lots of beaver tranquilizers. (laughs) As we say, don't do drugs, kids. (laughs) Except Uh, beaver tranquilizers. Well, who knows? I mean, and, and if you go through the some of the uh, Netflix documentaries that are there, I mean, you have Sly Stallone, you have Schwarzenegger each doing their documentary and not condoning, but that was part of the culture of of doing doing weightlifting and Mr. Universe and the bodybuilding. Um, guys did it, and you had a bunch of baseball players jump on it, and you saw people love baseball because. Hey, there was 50 home runs all the time. Chicks dig the long ball. They do. Who's on the horn? We have Dan. Dan, thanks. Uh, let's get to the phones. Dan, thanks for calling. Go for it. The All Steroids Olympics was a Saturday Night Live bit in the 70s. 
So yeah, you had uh, we're here to pump you up, right? The Hans and Franz. Well, that was that was, that was after it. one, I think, where he he went to lift weights and his arms pulled off. Right, and then it just blood squirted everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember seeing that clip. Yeah, that's uh, but, all I got. That's all. Well, I that's fine. Yeah. So uh, well, making life, life skits reality. Life right? imitates art. Uh, pretty good. Uh, I you know this is funny. But in all seriousness, if you, if, you, if you go down this route, are you going pay-per-view? Absolutely. Probably. we got to talk to Dolman about this, because he's done, I don't know how many Olympic games, winter right. and summer. Yeah, <clears throat> he would probably have some good takes on Yeah, what, what, what sport would, uh, would marry well with this? Volleyball? Oh, do you know how high up they would get? And how it's hard they would spike so the ball? Ooh. Not that they don't already, but... I still want to see ping pong. That would, that'd be good. Forrest Gump loses his mind after getting a an out of bounds call. We'll wind down hour one. Uh, Bo Reed coming up at Tail Varsity. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger. Reminder to get. Uh, in touch with your friends at Dyer Law with workers' compensation. Are you confused about your options with workers' comp? Uh, give your friends at Dyer Law a call. They'll help ensure your rights are protected. You get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. Dyer.Law. Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Programming note, we are on the road tomorrow up in Gretna at the Herdant Sports Bar and Grill location, the new and second location for Herdant Sports Bar and Grill. So come on up if you're uh, making your way up and you're going to be up there to watch Southwest Gretna. The boys and girls, they play hoops tomorrow night up in Gretna. Come on by for a cold one and some bang-bang sauce, some pizza, all sorts of options for you at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. In Gretna, the new location, come check out the digs, I think just off of 204th Street. So that's where we'll be at 4 to 6 tomorrow. Come by, say hi, and uh, tip one back, or just have a nice tea, whatever you want to do. Elijah, you uh, still have a, a final thought here on the enhancement games, allowing PED use. This is not a joke. There's a billionaire that's trying to put these games on. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Are there any doubts about how successful this would be if it were to actually be pulled off? If they could get it, I, I think this would be a highly successful venture because look at any sport that ever had an influx of PEDs and how immediately mm-hmm. successful that sport became. I think of Lance Armstrong and bike racing. Did you ever watch a, a bike race before Lance Armstrong started dominating the Tour de France? Nope. Nope. Did you care while Lance Armstrong was dominating the Tour de France? I bet you did. You, look, you, you, look, at, you, you look at baseball. Come back to baseball, you, you did? Look, you look at baseball in the 90s. You look at, I mean, I was going to say combat sports. You could just say combat sports through much of its history. This is such a barstool televised type thing, I feel like. Yeah. You know, could in totally a sense, sell the rights to them. In a way, yeah. But what I think would make this really exciting is you like really, really flesh out what these people are taking, and then you let people gamble on it. Hey, man, what's gonna be, is it going to be HGH? Is it going to be just that classic anabolic testosterone booster? What's going to be the, <laughs> this the, is the, like the champion the, here? This is like the sport anti-sport. Like, mm-hmm. this, is, this is funny. 
I kind of hope this happens. It's truly. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, can they handle their emotions if it doesn't go their way? <laughs> There's strike three on the outside corner. Watch out now. Uh, he's got a bat in his hands. Everybody run. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. Cliff needs some uh, cornhead lager. Uh, we will see what we can do, Cliff. Uh, Dion's asking about uh, alligator, I think. And the does it taste like chicken? <laughs> I've not had alligator. I hear it's spicy. This goes back to comment about we were talking chili and chili cook-off and chili championship, Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I have not had alligator. I've not had any uh, crawfish either. Never, never done the crawfish I, thing. I did walk past some LSU fans last year at the College World Series grilling up an alligator, and I did not ask. I don't think I was going to be <laughs> able to communicate with them in any way, shape, or form with the beers they had consumed in their Cajun accents. It was, it was a lost cause. But one or the one of the others tough combined. It's impossible. You need a translator. They're speaking another language at you that do. point. Uh, Bo Reed, he'll check in with us as uh, we'll talk to the Husker Hall of Famer. Get his take on Nebraska, Wisconsin tonight. His thoughts on the season. Thus far, with the Big Red Monster Ball game tonight, PBA 730. We gear you up for Nebraska trying to take down number six. Hour two, Gary Barnett coming up at Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back with you, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in a team captain, uh, Hall of Fame Husker and Part of that 90-91 three-seed team that uh, celebrated a little earlier this season. We welcome in Bo Reed back to the show at bread 40s where you find him on Twitter. Bo, a big one tonight at PBA, man. How you doing? Thanks for the time. Yeah, I wish I was going to be there. I'm down in Scottsdale at a business meeting. I wish I was going to be back for this one. I This is a big game. We got a hold serve here. And uh, I think the arena will be packed and, and rocking. So we we got to play well to beat this team. Yeah, Wisconsin, uh, super talented. They have their eyes and sights set on maybe a one-seed push. Uh, it's not easy to win in Lincoln. That would be impressive. And then they have Purdue waiting for them, at least in, in Madtown. So, Bo, let's kind of backtrack for a second and – Thoughts so far? I mean, Nebraska has obviously hit a skid on the road. They've been incredible at home. You've seen a lot of it. And and kind of give me a thought on, on the, the progress of this season so far. And, and you're right, tonight is, is monstrous. Yeah. Um, I've been impressed with this team, the resiliency of it. They've dealt with injuries and um, have really risen to the occasion. Um a number of different times. I, I can't understand the road situation. I, I really think a lot of it comes down to shot selection. Um, I think it's a mentality, a mindset that when we're at home, we're on the attack. And so consequently we get a lot of points in the paint at home. And I know everyone saw all the threes against Purdue, but what they didn't see is a lot of easy baskets, a lot of um, penetration, 
and kick back out. And, um, you know, when we're shooting the ball from the inside out, we shoot the ball really well. And then, like, a couple weeks ago when Iowa went to a zone, all of that aggressiveness and downhill attacking mindset went away and we just stood around the three-point line and chucked up threes. It was brutal. And so I'm really hopeful, you know, that we – we value the basketball tonight because Wisconsin doesn't turn it over. Their point guard, Chucky Hepburn, you, you can't speed him up. You can't make him turn it over. So we're just going to have to sit down and we're going to have to play rock-solid defense and not give up easy shots around the basket. And the last game up there, they, they shot a lot of layups, a lot of them. So hopefully we're ready to play physical and bring that attacking mentality to this game so that then we can – get those shots in rhythm as the ball comes back out. But in your opinion, if you had to pick one guy in the Husker starting five, or maybe not even in the starting five, who do you think is most important in instilling that attacking mindset, getting the ball inside and, and getting this team some inside-out looks? Who do you look at tonight as being a, a catalyst for that? Williams, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. He, we seem to follow his lead. When he's aggressive and he's um, taking the basketball and looking to create, and, and, and play aggressively, it seems like everyone else follows his suit. But when he's passive, and I don't want to say nonchalant because that's not fair, but when he kind of doesn't assert himself in the game, it just feels like no one else really understands their role then. Like, who's going to be the guy that does that? When he's that guy, it lets Rink be Rink. It lets Tomanaga be Tomanaga. It, it just kind of sets the natural order of thing, in my opinion. And I think Gary is equally important. When, when he and Williams play with that dog mentality and they're diving on the floor and they're being aggressive and they're guarding and they're blocking shots, we're a different basketball team. Well, you saw it against Purdue, Bo, when they came into Pinnacle Bank, and it felt like from the jump that the defense provided the energy right away. And obviously that's going to be a really important part. You said – yeah. You know, the the way that the offense flows sometimes, it lets guys be themselves. We haven't really seen Casey be himself in the last couple of games. Now, it didn't really matter against Ohio State. But what's your thoughts on the Huskers being able to get him back going? You know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I think Casey has to take better shots. I think sometimes if he's not getting the ball, he has a tendency to kind of shoot the ball early in the clock and force threes and – I like him when he's getting back cut when he's attacking the basket off the dribble because he's actually a pretty good passer once he gets in there um, because he's such a threat to shoot. He draws people to him when he just only settles for the three point shot. And, you know, every single defense is geared to stop that and not let him get going. Cause once he gets going, he can hit three or four in a row. And then that place goes bananas. And so they always guard him now with a bigger, more physical person. I think he's got to come off those screens looking to go to the basket and be prepared to kick that ball out, and we have to knock down those shots. But, you know, I'd like to see more of that from him. I know he's given a lot greater effort this year on the defensive end, so I don't know if maybe that's why his shot isn't as good because his legs are – maybe a little more tired because he is working at it on defense this year. I'll give him that. You can tell Fred's been on him. You know, Bo, and Bo Reed's with us, Husker Hall of Famer, monster game tonight. 
kind of a, a season definer for this big red team. They've had a great year, but, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a bit of a, a, a situation where they've hit the skids and schedule doesn't get any easier. Need this one tonight. It'd be incredible from a resume standpoint. But what did you think of Fred's uh, comments this week, Fred's demeanor this week, and multiple times, presser yesterday, radio show Monday, uh, used the term soft, put his team through a little bit at Camp Izzo with some uh, some physicality, and he's not wrong to do it. But what do you make of him verbalizing and then kind of letting that word get out from him, the challenge he's put in front of his team about their physicality? you got to have it tonight. Oh, I'm smiling because I love it because he's not wrong. When, when we play soft, we get beat. When we play physical and we attack and we don't shy away from the physical contact but actually create it, we play really well. And um, we have some really good pieces to that puzzle. Um, you know, and, and Wisconsin, you know, out-physicaled us without even really it, – it wasn't even an obvious effort. Like, they just – played more physical than us and they scored around the basket they had I think 15 offensive rebounds in that game and I mean I think he's challenging our kids to say we will not win if you don't bring this mentality and so he's putting it right out there in print so they can read it like you come soft we're gonna get beat you know and I love I love that I think it's great but whenever you look at this Wisconsin squad how do they bring physicality, specifically whenever you look at it? Because I think physicality is a word that can be a bit of a buzzword in basketball. Everyone knows what you're talking about, but it can show itself in different ways. How exactly does this Wisconsin team yeah. use their physicality to beat you? I think to the average person that's just casually watching a basketball game, I think they think physicality is when you're banging into someone and you're like pushing them and you're using your arms. And truly physical teams don't do any of that. They play with their body in a reckless way. They're banging into you. They're bumping you on cuts. They're boxing out every single time to the point where you're sick of them hitting you. They're just doing every single thing correctly. They don't take a playoff. They do what they're supposed to do on every single play to the point where you just – it becomes a nuisance, and they, and they don't stop. And so truly physical teams that play like that people get to a point where you're either going to match that physicality without having to shove and push and yell at the ref, or you, you basically get to a place you don't want them touching you anymore. And Wisconsin just plays a style of basketball. You don't, they don't look like tough guys, but they play, you know, they're relentless at going to the offensive rebound glass. They, play defense in a physical way where you're not allowed to cut. Like, Casey's not going to be able to cut through the lane tonight and not get bumped by somebody. They're going to constantly be bumping him, banging him, grabbing him, pushing him. It's just going to be – he's going to have to keep his composure because he has a tendency to get frustrated by that when people guard him that way. And he just needs to keep his composure and take good shots. And our big kids rank, you know – I don't know why he's so different on the road than he is at home, but at home he he's, uses both hands. He uses his body to get to the rim, and, you know, he gets to the rim, and he shoots free throws. And we just – I think Fred's so spot on, but to the casual fan, you might not even notice 
how Wisconsin plays physically because they're not demonstrative about it. They just use their bodies in a way that they don't have to try to play physical. They just are. Mm. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but the most tough teams we ever played against didn't, didn't do all this stuff to act tough or, you know, they didn't say they were tough. They just, you knew when you played them, you were going to constantly get physical contact. They were going to bang you going through the lane. They were going to hand check you until the ref made them stop. They were going to, you know, chest you up. They were going to box you out hard. They were going to meet you and initiate contact on a shot. I mean, all that stuff's just little, but it doesn't look like, oh, they're going to cause a fight. It's just they're just using their bodies recklessly, and we have to play that way tonight. So basically what you're saying is the Huskers don't need to go bad boys Pistons tonight? <laughs> no. No. We, we have to play our game, but we have to be I, – I think it's a mindset of we have to be on the attack mode. We have to be trying to get to the rim, trying to get to the free throw line, forcing Wisconsin to play defense for 25, 30 seconds. Like these quick shots early in the shot clock will get us beat against them. Mm-hmm. You have to make them guard for, and just wear them down. They only play seven guys, near as I can tell. I mean, there's a couple guys that have played a few minutes here and there, but their main people are seven dudes. Make them play defense. Bo Reed is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Bo, I want to go into the play of C.J. Wilcher this year. He's taken a huge step from last year to this year and even shot the ball well in a pretty ugly loss against Maryland. What can you say about what he's been able to do this season and how much of an impact has he left on this roster? Well, I'll tell you, I was not a huge, I don't want to say fan, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of C.J.'s. I always felt like he was lackadaisical defensively. I felt like he took bad shots and almost played kind of selfishly at times on the offensive end. I think this year C.J. plays for the team. And, you know, he's not afraid to step up and hit shots. He's clearly worked at it in the offseason this year because his shot is way more consistent in terms of just the fundamental form of it. You know, last year, sometimes he shot it so quickly that I don't even think he had form to the shot. Um, He's improved his passing. He's not turning the ball over as much as he did in the previous year. And I think he's playing for the right reasons. So from that perspective, yeah, he's totally transformed himself. He's a valuable player now to this team, especially coming off the bench when maybe Casey's not, or Casey's not hot or not playing well. And, you know, Sam's not a, a huge offensive threat. So sometimes we need that lift from CJ and he's provided it pretty regularly. So I've, I've, I've got to say I've been impressed with him. Bo will get you out. Bo Reed, Husker Hall of Famer. Find him on Twitter at bread 40 As we're talking Nebraska, Wisconsin tonight, going to be a zoo at PBA. Folks are probably in line for a cold one right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're going to get after it. Bo, Nebraska and their three-point defense, they've been better in, in, in Lincoln. They've gotten ripped by everybody, it feels like. And your take on, on Nebraska's defensive philosophy Last thought, on top of that, I need a prediction from you for tonight. Minus one and a half, Wisconsin. Um, I think if we win the rebounding battle tonight, we win. Okay, That's my prediction. Because we've been getting slaughtered on the offensive glass. If we, if we can hold them to less than 10 offensive rebounds tonight, I think we'll win the game. Just because I, I think we will bring that energy. The crowd's going to be fantastic. And I just think these kids know you got to turn it loose and, and play with abandon tonight. I love how Fred's challenged their their physicalness. 
um, I think we're going to play well, man. I'm, I'm excited for it. And I, unless we get just slaughtered on the offensive glass again, which Maryland just destroyed us again too, we have to rebound the basketball. If we rebound, we'll win. Perimeter D, are you worried about that? No, because I don't think Wisconsin's a prolific three-point shooting team. I think they're a terrific mid-range team, and I think they, they don't turn the ball over because Chucky Hepburn just values the basketball, and he's as, he's as good as it gets, I think, in terms of controlling the tempo of a basketball game, which makes us rebounding very, very important because possessions matter in the game against Wisconsin. Bo, enjoy. Scott Stale, hold on. You got one, Elijah. I got one more for you. Listener Crew chimes in on the stream and says that Coach Bo was his coach for six or seven years growing up. Great coach and great person. Do you have any memories of Crew? Does that name ring a bell, Crew Charlton? Uh, Crew was maybe one of the best shooters that I've ever seen as a a child. (laughs) He would make four or five three-pointers every game. And... uh, he was fun to coach. He wasn't afraid to take the big shot. Like so, that means a lot coming from him. I had a lot of fun coaching that kid. He was That's awesome. Look Small that. world. Wow. Bo, yeah. we'll we'll bump into you next time uh, you're back in town and uh, enjoy Scottsdale. And, and thanks for giving us a few minutes. Always appreciate the insight. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, love talking Husker hoops. Appreciate right. it. There he is, Bo Reed, All Husker right. Hall of Famer. Uh, good to get his thoughts on things and. Nailed it. Yeah, the offensive glass, turnovers, and the atmosphere is uh, brewing. I'll be down there covering it tonight. Connor will be in the student section. Um, camera in hand for uh, for maybe another court storming? Uh, potentially. Yeah. Uh, Elijah, are you sneaking down? I am sneaking down. Look at you. Dirty my way in. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah's going to be in one of the boxes. Uh, Gary Barnett. Barty will check in. We'll talk some college football. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Big game, Nebraska, Wisconsin tonight. The uh, number six Badgers get in, and we welcome in Hall of Fame coach. Uh, we say hi to Gary Barnett, Colorado Northwestern, and uh, Hall of Famer in Missouri. Coach, how's the week been? How are, how are things down there in sunny Arizona? Well, you're right. It's been really nice. I and mean, we were in the, we had 80 tw- two days in a row. And so uh, down the valley. And so, it's, yeah, it's been really good. It's been a good winter so far. It's a good January down here. So a few chilly days. And it looks like it's going to turn. We have a big tournament coming up next week uh, or in two weeks. Just, well, the week of the Super Bowl next week. And uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty cold for these guys. So, but the it's forecast has gotten better. Uh, it was, looked like it was going to be a monsoon going through here, but um, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's going to survive because that's really that tournament is one of the highlights uh, for Phoenix every year, and highlights I think in golf. So uh, you, you know, you don't like to see it marred with bad weather. It's only been really bad, I think, one or two years since mm-hmm. I've been down here, but uh, it's such a great time, and it's it's great TV, and it's it's always a great time here in Phoenix. Well, waste management. I've got a few friends that have made their way down. It's something that I'm thinking about doing at some point, just haven't gotten around to it. A lot going on, Coach, in college football. And I want to start off with Sharon Moore uh, getting the nod at, at Michigan with, with Jimbo taking off to the NFL. And, uh, you know, what's your what's your take? What's your response? And, 
does Michigan stay strong or do they dip a little bit without a Harbaugh? Well, first of all, he coached almost as many games as Harbaugh did, did, did. this year. So <laughs> he certainly had a, a, had a good interview and uh, he did a great job. You know, every one of those games were, were well coached and well managed and organized. And so, you know, really, they, uh, it wasn't that they didn't have a choice. They're just lucky they had that choice because uh, he'd already proven himself and being, you know, knowing the Michigan culture, and et cetera, that's, that's really important. So uh, I don't know that they dip down at all. I think in some ways, Sean Moore's probably a little more ready for, um, for everything in college football now than, than guys who are a little older like Harbaugh. So uh, obviously a lot of the things that are going on now probably drove him to the next level although he'd already been successful there and it was easier to go back, but I think it would drive all of us to the next level. I, I mean, I think it drove uh, Nick Saban out of the business. Uh, and I don't know if it's prematurely, but I, it's certainly, he probably had another couple of years if he wanted him. But, you know, just the state of college football, the, the game is great. The business of college football is ugly right now. And, you know, you got to have guys who've sort of grown up in it. And I think that's, that's a little bit of the case for Sharon. I think he has, a much easier chance to uh, maneuver it and uh, adapt to the environment. Do you need almost a, a, an NFL background or for sure the adaptability coach with just how things are going with the portal, the ability to transfer roster turnover and always a fluctuating roster? I mean, you're, you're going from signing day to – all right, post-spring departures and retention. And I think Nebraska fans are excited about it. And just being around Coach Rule and covering him for a little bit, he is super uh, locked in with the, the personality. He knows his guys, and uh, that's, that's their connection. So guys so far want to just stay and play, and that's not – the, the case everywhere else. I mean, do you need the NFL background, that GM mentality – uh, because it's it's looking more like that in college football today. Yes, with the exception that uh, in the NFL, uh, if the coach doesn't want you around, they just you know cut you. You. <laughs> pay you some money and cut you. Uh, now it's it works the other way. If the player doesn't want to be around the coach, he just leaves. So it's uh, you know it's 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 a little bit different. I think conceptually, yes, it's it's similar. But it it's, has a lot of different uh, innuendos in it, and so it's it's complicated, no question. Coach, what do you think of the legal response by the Attorney General in Virginia and Tennessee? The Vols are uh, going after the NCAA. The NCAA is going after Tennessee as a repeat offender, level one, level two, when it comes to NIL violations. How does this thing play out? Chris, it's really hard to predict this because it's it's a toothless NCAA, mm-hmm. and you know the it really hasn't had the respect of the general public for for a long time. Just because it enforced the rules it was supposed to enforce, and it made everybody mad. Everybody thought the rules were were stupid in the first place, and so now that they don't have any power, they're blaming them for not being able to enforce any rules. So. You know, I, I think the NCAA is in a no-win situation in this deal. 
Um, and at this point in time, uh, all these schools and NIL complaints have uh, the legal issue on their side. They have the support of the courts. They have support of judges. And so it's, uh, you know, the NCAA is up against a hard, hard battle to try to enforce any of these rules. And it's, uh, we're in a day and age where, you know, the, the players can do and have whatever they want. And uh, even looking back and going back five and six years, they get to, to have what they couldn't get. So it's NCAA is just right now just just being kicked around like crazy. And I don't I don't see any way for them to rise up and have any teeth in this whole thing. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a topic this week around here has been toughness. And that toughness is in regards to Nebraska basketball. They're great at home. They're not great on the road. And, and the reputation is you, uh, when the pressure mounts, they get softer and they can be physically beat up down low. So it's been a Izzo-esque football padded three days of practice for Coach Hoiberg and Nebraska trying to get ready for a really physical Wisconsin team tonight. The instance and making that decision, is it done lightly in your coaching history when, all right, uh, we got our butt kicked, we got it manhandled, it's time to respond with a, a physical practice? Do you got to pick your, your moments for that, or is it kind of always a constant? I guess I'm asking, how do you know when and, and how do you go about challenging your team if you think they didn't stand up, they didn't, they didn't bow up like they needed to physically in a ball game? Yeah, well, I think it's more of an art than, yeah. than a science, and you've, you've got to know when. And it's, you know, I think, uh, first of all, college basketball is so much about playing on the road and playing at home. There's, it's just two different worlds, and more so than football, I think. But in basketball teams, we're experiencing the same thing in Colorado. I mean, we, we beat everybody at home, and we go on the road and, you know, we look like an average team. And I'm sure Nebraska's feeling the same way. You achieve what you emphasize. And so if that's what you're going to emphasize, then you got a chance to achieve it. But you, you, you can achieve it just, just uh, hanging out and waiting for nothing to happen and hoping that we get tougher. You've got to do things that your team's got to buy in and say, coach is right. We've got to do this. This will make us better. If they do that, then it does make a difference. If they don't, they go, why in the heck are we doing this stuff? You know, this isn't going to work. Or if pundits are saying this is stupid and they're buying into that, then then you got no chance. So it just be, depends on the buy-in by players. Uh, you've got to do something as a coach. I do think it's an art where you can't do it all the time, but there's times when you have to do it. So it's you pick your times, and I'm, I'm sure all those coaches are trying to pick the right times. What kind of made you go towards the uh, the taking the the buff off the helmet? I remember that. Yeah, I didn't really take it off. Okay, but I was threatening to take it off. Well, it's a great story. <laughs> it's a great story, but it goes beyond. I mean, uh, I threatened to take it off because we had played so poorly, uh, and that we weren't really representing the history of our program and the hit of what we've done. And, you, you know, it's, you take a chance doing it, but the only reason I would have done it and threatened to do it is because former 
Colorado players on my staff made that recommendation. And I would never have done it if, if former Colorado players didn't say that's a good idea. If they just said, no, coach, you can't do that. I would have never even touched it. But, you know, when, when I heard guys who had played there were willing to uh, carry out a threat like that or to issue a threat like that, a challenge like that is a better way to use it. Uh, <laughs> then I was willing to buy into it. And, you know, every once in a while you get lucky because we go down to Texas A&M and start a new quarterback and win the game. So it's, uh, you know, if it had gone the other way, they'd have been, I'd have been stuck up on a wall someplace. So, uh, <laughs> but, but it, <laughs> you know, it's like I said, it's got to be an art and you got to think it through. You just can't, you just can't all of a sudden, get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this. How? But, uh, so, and of course, all the TV stations had a picture of the helmet and they were taking the Buffalo off. And, you know, we got, we got a lot of harassment on that, but you know, we did what we thought we had to do. How the kids isn't always right, by the way. I was going to say, how the, I know how the kids responded on, on Saturday, but how'd they respond to that proposition when, when, when it was, uh, proposed in, in the team well, meeting. How, how did they react? Well, I understand that I I let the former players make the proposal. Right, wasn't you? And yes. So yeah, so it had some credibility. It wasn't just somebody coming back in here who never played in the program and said, "I'm going to take the helmet, the Buffalo, off your helmet." It was it was former players who were embarrassed by the way we were playing mm. and. You know, they're the ones that stood up and made the suggestion. Gary Barnett, uh, the vintage story about the time Barney threatened or former Buff players on his staff threatened to take the Buff decal off the side of the helmet because they weren't living up to the the, the standard, the history. It's been uh, chatted about a little bit uh, in Lincoln with some past performances. We'll uh, dive in a little bit more with Gary Barnett. We'll wind down with him. Some recruiting news coming up here at 40 on Jalen Williams. We'll get there with Nebraska football. And then it is staking a beer bet. Is that Longhorn glass still handy? I think I'm up uh, 2 nothing on you two yahoos. <laughs> as, as, uh, yeah, the triple shot. A triple shot, yeah, triple or nothing. Things are getting dangerous. It's like we're playing golf or something. I'm going to push. I'm going to get it all back on this hole. Water. All right, more with Coach Barney. Hale Varsity continues, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. How about the gut of Gwen to go for it on fourth? I love watching Dan Campbell. And uh, he is really brought a lot of energy to Motor City. A couple of fourth downs that he's he's been the go for it guy, coach. He's big into analytics and uh, says, uh, let's stay on the field. And it, and it cost him. And they had a 17 point lead. Uh, what a job by Purdy and company to come back. But what was your philosophy on fourth down, when to go, when to punt it? Well, I, I always wanted fourth down to be an offensive down. But, um, you know, we didn't have the analytics at the time. We, it was just more feel, and it was more situational. Um, and so everybody who really loves what Dan did and 
and the way he coached, well, they're going to watch two other teams play in the Super Bowl probably because of it. Now, you can say he wouldn't have gotten to that game if he hadn't have been that aggressive. But still, those two, those two going for it situations may or may not have cost him that game. And so, you know, he, he's, he's going to go for it. That's who he is. I think players do like that. Um, you know, and, and what it does to you if you're on the other side is normally you're, it's three and out is the concept you have with your team. Three and out. Well, he makes you go four and mm-hmm. in. And so it's, uh, you, you can't have that little breath that you can catch after you hold them on third down. You've you got to, you, you know, you've got to come up with a defense uh, to handle what he might do. So it's, it, it just changes the game a little bit. But it's risky, and it, like everything, there's risk and reward. But um, I do think he doesn't get there if he doesn't have that mentality. He doesn't even get to that game, but he did. And, uh, you know, at the same time, you're never 100% on those deals. And, you know, he's going to watch the game instead of be in it. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Last thought, is there a, a favorite fourth and short call? Is, is there the, the, the play of, of all plays? Is there one go-to you, you've always carried with you as a coach? Well, I may get back into coaching. I can't put that out there, Chris. Well, well I can't tell everybody what that might be. You still going? To, you still going to Bama? <laughs> I mean, in Nebraska, it was short side option. You knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I. I think that uh, I, there wasn't a one play that I really liked. Uh, you know, we used we used uh, for a two point play. We used the tight end hide play a lot, where he actually blocks or goes down to a knee and gets lost and then drifts back across the formation. Mm-hmm. That was always one that was hard to cover and it was it was usually successful. Uh, but um, the thing about fourth down is uh, you know, really, if the defense really packs it in there and you break the line of scrimmage, it's, it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So it it forces the de- they know that too. So it forces the defense to maybe not play quite so uh, packed in, uh, just because if you have the threat of a guy that can take it all the way. So I mean, I remember a number of times the enemy or even some of the guys I had, uh, Darnell Autry. It was a fourth down. Everybody stacked in there, and and run, you run a power play and. There's no safety to take on the the running back, and so boom, it's a forty yarder or thirty yarder instead of a, a two yarder. So, um, no, it's just you just have to have a feel for it. You have to have you, you go by who you trust in your players, and you know it's you get a feel for what they like to do in those situations. The defense does. Coach will keep us up to date on on where you land if you get back in. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll be the second to know. Uh huh. That's right, uh, Coach. You have a good weekend. You'll be the first. So. <laughs> I love it, Coach. You take care and have a good weekend. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Thanks. We'll check in with Coach Barnett next week. Thoughts on the Super Bowl. Thoughts on his guy B. Enemy, where he may end up. Good to talk some ball with him, Jalen Williams, fellas. The name to think about for Nebraska. Uh, they are looking at. Defensive line prospects. Let's go recruiting here to wind down this segment. Stake it a beer bet. 
is about five, six minutes away. We'll get there. But Williams, uh, I love uh, Coach Knighton, Coach Potroast on Twitter. The uh, lovely gif of the uh, vaunted Chicago deep dish. So that means he's in Illinois. I know there's a pick of Coach Rule and in, in, uh, in, in Jalen Williams, uh, the defensive lineman, today. And Nebraska's picking up some steam here, Elijah Connor, with this talented prospect. I know uh, Michigan, we said last week, was kind of the, the team to beat on this. But his list has grown quite a bit. Yeah, and you wonder, with Michigan being the team to beat now, it seems like a lot of people in college football, I think Florida was the team to offer today coming. You wonder if Jalen Williams, with the change in Michigan, you can feel maybe the, in the college football world feeling the winds turning with him. Visits Nebraska over the weekend. Now it's Matt Rule in town in Palatine visiting with Jalen Williams. And we the, remember. Good the job. talent is there. You think I would forget a, an Illinois powerhouse such as Palatine High School? After everything you've told us about just the vaunted program that's been built up Well, there. considering you had to ask me earlier. I, I asked you, too. I was like, where is that at, dude? You didn't have to throw that in there. And you're like, oh, it's, it's a really good program. <laughs> so you know, It is. But you, you look at this, you wonder if the door has been open because of that change at Michigan. It feels like Matt Rule's trying to take advantage. And the best way I can describe the visit, the feel it, it has, is something we've talked about on this show. It feels like Matt Rule's hitting the ABCs, always be closing. Has a good visit to Lincoln, enjoys it. I believe in an interview he called it an 11 out of 10, his experience Short in Lincoln. Short visit, too. Now Matt Rule's out in Palatine getting the in-home, I guess the in-high school, if you will, uh, visiting with him. You wonder what else is going to go down with Matt Rule out in Palatine. Feels like the, the, the tides are turning in a good way for, for Nebraska in this recruitment. If, if just outside, looking in, 1,000 miles up, as Schmitty the loudest paper tear I've ever heard. <laughs> they, they, they are prioritizing uh, talent, and Williams, with his frame, can put some weight on it, about 260 at 6'5". He's, he's an edge guy, but he could also, with his footwork and his strength, kind of play those, those two spots, play on the interior or be a third-down interior pass rusher, be on the outside, go that way. We'll see how long the, the crystal ball from some of the services stays Michigan. Coach Papuchis of Florida State. Yeah, he's been in there. He's been in there quite a bit, and uh, Nebraska will do their due diligence to, another, to stay after. Another school to watch out for, uh, Luke Fickle in Wisconsin has been coming hot and heavy at Jalen Williams as well. But you go through a social media dive, the only schools he's really talking about, aside from offers, talking about visits, enjoying time places, it's been Michigan and Nebraska. Read into that how you will. No, and Nebraska knows uh, and gets to read a kid. The thing that that made me laugh, I know there was a story out on uh, reporting Williams's visit, and he had never made himself a meal before. And when he was on his visit to Nebraska, he uh, he he made his own food, and he thought he got the biggest kick out of that. I know his aunt was with him, and we're talking quick twenty four hour turn and burn. And uh, he, he gave it that 11 rating. So he's a, he's a name to look at. Nebraska's been really good. Coach Potroast has been really good at identifying talent. You saw what Nebraska did with that freshman talent. Great snaps, impactful snaps. And it can only go up from really a good introduction with the Prince Wills of the world, the Lenharts of the world, uh, the Van Poppels, just to name a few. And there's a couple of guys that ended up redshirting. So uh, we'll wind it down. Nebraska, Wisconsin predictions. Staking a beer bed next on Hale Varsity. 
And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, and word is the line is excessive at PBA. You're referring to the line outside the door is not the Vegas line, correct? Right. Correct. No, no, no. We'll get to Vegas here in a minute. Minus one and a half. Is that the current number, Elijah? Uh, let me do some Wisconsin research. favored. Nebraska was favored. I am seeing well, Wisconsin as a one and a half point favorite, uh, but you do have a little bit better money on Nebraska. Okay. Well, based off of the actual line out the door, I received video from a couple of friends who are currently towards the front of it, so good on them. Do but they have it, a flask? It, I, I hope. And for their <laughs> sake, what where are you going to be at in the student section, Connor? Just so we can rat you out. I just, well, is I Connor hope I Clark even get being in removed yeah. before tip off. <laughs> oh, Connor Clark's going to make it on the it big is, screen. It is back and around the block by the like by the post office. It it's going like okay. You are going to see. Obviously, the the sideline student section is always full. Mm-hmm. With that second, the overflow behind the basket is going to add a whole other element. The place is going to be juiced. Tonight, in about an hour and a half. Okay, I have uh, another sports book has it as a pick now late. Okay. So maybe some late movement towards Nebraska mm. with that one-and-a-half-point line. Uh, let's do a steak and a beer, uh, or double or nothing for <laughs> you two. Um, I will start, and a couple of things go into this. Connor, waves Connor is waving the down Longhorn, Longhorn mug. <laughs> Showing everybody what's at stake. Longhorn mug, a shot of... Have we decided you picked the, the poison? I, I think so. Yeah. Loser picks the poison? No, winner. Winner. Oh, so us, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I haven't picked for either of you two yet. We've all ruled out Rumpelmint. It was done early in the week. I don't know, but... Okay, so... I wouldn't hate Rumpelmint. I would ask what you want versus here's what you get. I'm going to say Wisconsin comes in, makes everyone sad. Wisconsin covers... By three, 68 to 65 over Nebraska, uh, which means Nebraska's got to do something here uh, next, and that's either go get one at Illinois or go get, a, get one at Northwestern. We'll see if that can happen. First things first, too much whiskey. Revenge game for the Badgers from last year. Great effort by, by Nebraska, but just not enough. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you, not just to make more fun radio, but because Nebraska is the opposite of road warriors. They're home warriors. And because they're home warriors, they're going to play like a national championship team at home, as they always do. They're going to play tight er, tonight. And they are going to get an eight-point home victory. Nebraska, 76. Wisconsin, 68. Connor. The closer the game gets, the more nervous I get. And I think it's going to be a, a really good game. Obviously, it's a it's a, essentially a pick 'em for a reason. With that being said, I think Wisconsin does win, and I think it's close. I'm going to go Wisconsin 75, Nebraska 71. Okay, the place is going to be juiced, but unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit too much, Bucky. You guys well, want a, a fun fact before we get going here? How many? Well, the likelihood of 49 free throw attempts to eight? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think the fun stat that might be getting overlooked, Keisei Tomonaga today turns 23 years old. He does. Okay. It's his birthday. I think Keisei goes off for 23 points at least uh, and carries Nebraska to a victory. Well, or does, I he take, right. does he take 23 bad shots yes. tonight? Wait, he might be 22, actually. Let me do my math. Mm-hmm. He's 22. Fair question. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. 
where you can download the show. Find us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill. Gretna tomorrow night. We'll talk to you then with Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. A Hood at Media Production.